Welcome to Reach, your platform to connect with other executive assistants and acquire game-changing knowledge and perspective. Reach is designed to inspire your workday, guide you through pivotal moments in your career, and transform you into the executive assistant you've always wanted to be. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Reach. This is your host, the founder and CEO of Maven Recruiting Group, Jessica Van. And I have Nicole Hawkins in the studio with me today. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Jessica. It's great to be here. Thanks it's for having me. So great to have you. I am like delighted, giddy, excited to have this conversation with you. This has been on my bucket list for topics, and you have courageously stepped up to the plate to tackle this one, so um, so thank you in advance. Oh, yeah. And to our listeners who are now very intrigued, wanting to know what exactly is today's topic, she is currently the Senior Manager of Administration at Patreon, where she has been for nearly three years supporting the CEO, Jack Conti. For those who don't know, Patreon is the membership platform that makes it easy and possible for artists and creators to monetize their fan base. You've probably heard the, te- the term seasoned or perhaps even been labeled or felt as such. And in the Bay Area tech arena especially, it's not uncommon to work alongside colleagues or even support executives who may be in their early 20s or early 30s. Today, we've decided to tackle the ambitious topic of what it means to age gracefully in your career as an executive assistant, and in particular, how you can avoid quote-unquote aging out of the EA career. In order to do this, Nicole is going to share her experience of being a quote-unquote, big quotation marks around this, (laughs) quote-unquote seasoned EA, (laughs) and what it's like to work with and support individuals who are younger than she is. So uh, once again, in case anybody's about to write in and tell me how rude I am for calling out Nicole for this show topic, I want you guys to all know that she voluntarily came up with this and said that this would be a really interesting um, discussion point and something that she feels uh, interested and invested in speaking to. So we are not that rude. And um, thank you again for being our guest. So um, to get started, Nicole, help paint the picture for us. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are, your experience level, what you've, you know, what you've done in your career? And also, what does the landscape of your current colleagues and peers and executives look like in terms of their seniority? Sure thing, Jessica. Before I dive into my background and my la- the landscape of my current situation, I'm going to do something taboo. Okay. I'm going to talk about my age. I'm going to spill it. Let's do it. <laughs> I will be 45 this September, and I have been in an admin support role for the past about 21 years. So I moved to the Bay Area around 2000 from Nashville, Tennessee. Mm. And I moved here and I started working in music. I was an admin assistant for Bill Graham Presents, which is now Live Nation. So I went from doing that to working in direct response marketing. You know, uh, Proactive, the acne medication? Yeah. Yeah. I used to work for the company that made those infomercials. I used to use that product. (laughs) It works. (laughs) And then I moved on to a space company. Uh, It was a company that made satellites, small satellites, on 9th Street in San Francisco. And these satellites orbited the Earth and monitored change in order to better the planet. And then from there, I went to Patreon. And that's where I'm at now. I've been here for almost three years. It'll be three years in August. The current landscape of Patreon's employee base, I'd say, folks, the median age is probably around 35. 
Uh, same for my executives, um, maybe even a little bit younger for the rest of the team. Uh, our admin team, there's about four of us, and we range in age from about the late 20s to early to mid 40s. So I'm definitely one of the more seasoned folks there. Mm-hmm. At the whopping age of 45. Yeah. <laughs> All of this conversation is so relative because 45 is, is so, so young, right? But I, again, I think it's, it's when we're talking about disparity and particularly in the Bay, there is such a slant and such a bias toward everything new and young. And, you know, I mean, I feel like the majority of our clientele are under the age of 35 years old and running companies and and maybe even on to their second or third startup. Right. So it's it's just we're in kind of this this really odd place where age, I feel like, becomes um, exacerbated so much more because of these incredible disparities. To what extent do differences in experience or differences in age come into play in your current work environment? And I'd love to know, you know, from you, some examples or occasions of how that's shown up and how you've dealt with it in those moments. Folks at my, in my current role and some of the previous ones, they're just younger and they have less tenure in the business world. Some of the folks I work with, it's their first time being in an office or working for a big, big company. And same goes for my exec team. And one of the interesting things I've noticed about my execs or younger execs, they don't know what to expect or how to use a more seasoned executive assistant. They tend to all be really hands-on and be really scrappy and have their hands on all parts of their business. And while that's great and they want to know everything, as they scale their business and it grows, they need to level up and do other things to help further their business and further their mission. So I find I've got to kind of insert myself and be like, hey, let me take care of this for you. Let me do this thing for you. Uh, My CEO, for example, his name is Jack Conti. He's the CEO and co-founder of Patreon. He's also in not one but two bands, uh, (laughs) Scary Pockets and Pomplamoose, which is awesome. He like lives breathes, eats, create, eats the creative class and wants to help support the creative class and help them get paid, which is awesome. And I want to support him and help him do that. At the same time, he has no time at all in his day. And I think he wants to do everything and try to get to everything, but it's just not humanly possible. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I do and I pride myself on is being really good about maximizing efficiency for his day. And I've been with him for almost three years. And so we've had a bunch of reviews together. Every single review, he's flabbergasted and blown away by my ability to to, to schedule Tetris. And, you know, most EAs know that's just part of our job. That's kind of EA 101. But since he is a newer and younger executive, it just blows his mind that I'm able to do this so easily. And I find that fascinating that he just doesn't know that that's something that that should be a standard that all executive assistants have, not just seasoned ones. And another area where I find, where I notice the disparity between age and experience, um, I, have, I have a group of colleagues that I'm on a Slack group with. The group's called Boss Ladies. We don't work together. We all used to work together. And it's a lovely group of women. I love these folks. And the group is there for us to chit-chat, to knowledge share, to support each other, ask quick questions, get quick answers. And it could be about business. It could be about anything. And I was in this group a couple weeks ago chatting. And one of the one of the admin folks was talking about a new EA on their team. It's a new EA to the team, but the, the person is senior and they're seasoned. And this EA, they're having some they're having some friction. This EA refuses to do coffee. She will not get anyone coffee. She's just like, it's, it's below her pay grade. Mm-hmm. And I find that to be really interesting. There are some things that more seasoned EAs won't do, but I also think it's a stigma attached to seasoned EAs 
because of folks like this. And I just feel like, especially in the Bay Area, in general in work and in the Bay, we are in an environment where everyone is really scrappy and everyone's really hands-on. Regardless of what the work is, if it's going to help your boss get to the next level quicker, if it's going to help the company get to the mission quicker, whatever it is, if it's getting coffee, if it's helping out with a family assignment, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of the better attitude to have. Yeah. The coffee thing is just, I mean, boy, that's a hot topic. It it, it, it always comes up. It's never tea, by the way. Nobody ever says, I refuse to get tea. They never do. It's always, I refuse to get coffee. I mean, God. I wonder if it would be a different different answer if the ask was tea. But nevertheless, I I think it's so interesting um, as well. I, 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 I know that there's like these deep, 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 this deep polarity and divide on that very issue. Um, and some people feeling demeaned by the ask and other people feeling like, no, it's it's in the service of providing efficiency and increasing flow for my executive and being attentive to them. And whatever it is, if that's what if that's what they need, I'm there. And if the need is, you know, communicating with a board member about a high, you know, high, high touch situation and that's the need that I'm there as well right absolutely you're agnostic as to the nature of the need it's just that there is a need and you're gonna fill it right but yeah the coffee thing that we could we could do a podcast just about that alone interesting so it sounds like the biggest difference that you've observed around age disparity is really more around kind of the experience gap of how to work with an EA and how to really leverage an EA and how to kind of really appreciate what an EA does. It's that they haven't necessarily had that experience of partnering to know that this is kind of how they can utilize you most effectively. Um, so it's almost like you're in that role of of, um, of teacher, of mentor, a little Mrs. Robinson, but not really. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. Hilarious. <laughs> You're, you're absolutely correct, Jessica. Right? It's, it's fully, I'm kind of in teacher mode, and I'm teaching them to understand how to help me be an extension of them. Yes. And it's great. Like, we're, Jack and I are three years in, and we're in the groove, and it feels yeah. really good yeah. to be always be several steps ahead of him. Yeah. And I love it. Totally. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I also have a young team. Um, I'm definitely one of the oldest um, employees at my at my at my company. Senior, um, senior. Pardon me. Um, there's a couple of us that have that have crossed the forty threshold, um, but not too many. And um, I'd say the majority of my team is is kind of aggregated in their twenties. Um, we got a few in their thirties, um, and then even less in in our forties. And it's interesting, like having gone through this last year of the pandemic of a recession of massive massive economic uncertainty job uncertainty um uh, just all of the angst that all of us have endured and all of the transition it's been really interesting because for so many of them being as young as they are this was their first recession and i think there's something to that too like when you're talking about how do age disparities show up I think just that kind of historical perspective, that experience of like having been through an economic hardship, an economic downturn and how that kind of informs um, how you stare down the face of another one. I I think there's things like that, too, that just you can't quite. um, There's not really a a proxy or a way to kind of like know that without having been through that. 
You're right. And at, at our age and our stage and our careers, we know that we're going to come out on the other side. And we know that there's going to be life after this in a way that younger folks don't. That's an interesting perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess now we can all have that feather in our cap that we've all been through it at, at this point, right? I mean, that was a, a pretty big one. But there, there are certain things that happen as you go through your career, through your life, through everything that, that just put hair on the chest, you know? And I think that things like this are a big one. Um, resiliency, right? Resiliency in a leadership team. And I, I think that that's a big, a big part of it. And recession is certainly something that will, that will teach you that. Absolutely. We've yeah. even hired two senior executives during the pandemic. And that's been an inter- interesting thing to watch and watch them try to gel with the team from afar. They're doing a fantastic job, but this is all uncharted territory for all, for all of us. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So do you feel like there's an appreciation for seniority and experience in what an EA does compared to, say, what an executive does? I think there is appreciation for both the executive assistant and the executive, but it all depends on the environment. It depends on the executive and how they treat the administrative staff. It depends on the executive assistant. It depends on the culture of the environment that you work in. I have actually been pleasantly surprised by the amount of respect that me and my admin team have received over the years, especially in this current role. When we're all, when we're introduced to folks, like clients or for outside meetings, we're often introduced as like the backbone of the company mm-hmm. or the folks that really make the magic happen. And that's always really flattering to hear. I want to hear what you think, Jessica. Well, I, I think that I have no doubt in my mind that I, I do believe that Again, as you said, industry-wise, right? I think that there can be a deep appreciation for age, age and experience in a leader. Um, I I don't ever really feel like there's this upper limit on seniority when it comes to an executive level role. I think that there's sort of um, this sense that you get better and wiser as you have navigated multiple companies multiple acquisitions, multiple IPOs, multiple this, multiple that, multiple product rollouts, multiple sales strategies, this and that, whatever, right? Like you're just rapidly enhancing your skill set. So whether you're an executive at 25 or an executive at 65, that, you know, if anything, you've just gotten perhaps better, right? I'm curious as somebody who's inside of the EA profession, and, and as I think you said you started you started our conversation by saying you've been doing this for 25 years? 21. 21, pardon yeah. me. Um, if in that 21-year time frame you've seen any differences in how people perceive you as an EA as you've, as you've continued to mature in your life, right? And I, I, I'm just curious because I'm, I, you know, I'm not on the inside of that. And I'm, I'm curious to know if you've ever perceived any differences or if it's, or if it's really just been that, that your experience is welcomed and appreciated and, and, and the maturity that you bring to your role, having been doing it for 21 years, if it's appreciated. Totally. I think my experience is welcomed and appreciated, but you're actually making me think back to when I was first doing admin work. And I think I was 24 when I started. It was different. And I feel like I was treated maybe not as well as I am now. Mm. And I also think, let's think back to when, let's think back to what this job used to be called. It used to be called a secretary, mm-hmm. right? Secretaries, they they were stenographers. They 
got coffee for sure. That was probably a big thing that they did, dry cleaning. Um, I don't think that they did a lot of strategic thinking for the company or were a sounding board as much for the executives that they supported. I think my role was a bit closer to that, not that far blown, but yeah. I think I'm much more of a strategic partner now with my executive. And I th- I'd say that's the, the main difference. Yeah. So that's that's really lovely that you've been allowed to grow and evolve in your role in in those ways and that you know how you're perceived has has really only been enhanced as opposed to um there being you know any kind of um label or stigma of oh okay is this person you know, too mature for this work or whatever. If anything, it's quite the opposite. It's saying, oh, wow, look at all the ways in which she can add value because of all that she's done and all that she's seen and all that she knows. Totally. And you're making me think of something. As you you mentioned, as executives grow, people think that they learn in the role and they're just getting better and better. I think the same applies to executive assistants, but I have found people ask me, what are you going to do next? Mm -hmm. And I don't want to do anything else. I really enjoy this work. And even when I say I don't want to do anything else, I almost feel like something's wrong. Should I be aspiring to do more? Why is it not enough that I'm just a really good executive assistant? Shouldn't that be a goal? Like being a really good CEO is a goal. Why can't being a really good executive assistant be similar? What do you see as the value of youth in the career of an EA, Um, as well as the value of experience and seniority in this career? I think we kind of touched on it in, in, in our previous um, question, but I think just to go a little bit deeper, like what do you see as the value of that kind of brand brand new, wide-eyed, what is it, bushy-tailed, wide-eyed, bright-eyed, I don't know, I get all my expressions mixed up, but that person, the ingenue, what do they bring and what is their value versus the more s- senior and mature person? Totally, I love this question. The value of youth Young folks are scrappy as hell. They are willing to get in there and do anything at all costs, and I really appreciate that. And they're also not afraid to make mistakes. I think the older you get, it becomes harder to make mistakes. You just you, you, you beat it yourself up more when you do. And I think the value of seniority, for me at least, has been patience. I've been doing this for so long, and the executive assistant job, you are thrown so many curveballs and so many boulders are put in front of you, and it's it's... It's a long road sometimes to slowly, methodically chip away at everything that's in your path as you're trying to achieve your goals, trying to check things off of your to-do list. And I find that I now approach things much differently. Back in the day, I might have just got, might have yelled out a bunch of expletives, and I might still do that now, mm-hmm. but I do it more in- internally, mm-hmm. and I can present a calm face and methodically go through what I'm trying to accomplish without flying off the handle and freaking mm. out. So the common patience that age has awarded me, I really appreciate for the tasks that I have to accomplish. I like that. I'm I'm listening to you and I'm and I'm thinking as well about kind of my to what extent that applies to me too. And I I, I think there's certainly something to that. I think that there's like um, an impetuousness that that we exhibit um, earlier on, um, which is also beautiful, right? It's like that kind of like you know. Um, eager, ambitious, wants to see things, wants to try things, wants to throw themselves at, at, at everything full on. Um, it's like the same way that my son will, you know, like just without inhibition whatsoever, like jump onto like a pile of 
rubbish or sticks. And I'm like, you know, that's not going to end well. Or I know that's not going to end well, <laughs> but he doesn't know that or he's not willing to limit himself in that way because he's just going to go for it and he's going to injure himself and then learn that jumping on a pile of rubble is not the best, best move, right? Um, and there is something to be said too for, like you said, like um, having a bit more composure and, and patience with things um, and methodicalness. I, I remember like earlier on in my career, I got some feedback from my then boss. It was like, you're just very you're just very excitable. Like you have, you put a, there's a, you bring a lot of energy into everything. And it was kind of like a compliment slash backhanded, you know, you're a lot, like you're kind of extra with everything. Um, and I think that, that some of that tends to kind of like mellow. Totally. Definitely mellow. As we mature, like it, I think like the volatility tends to kind of even out somewhat, which is not to say that, you know, there's not moments of lots of punctuation and extreme, but. Yeah, I, I like that. And I like to like like you said, like the the willingness to take risks and kind of just go for stuff is one of the really beautiful things about youth. Totally. Some of the younger members of of our admin team, I find that they are more willing to take risks than I am. And the combination of us all together is great because I bring some experience. They yeah. bring some some willingness to, to take a leap and together we accomplish great things. Totally. That's really great. And it's another, um, again, I mean, I feel like we always endorse the idea of having multiple points of view and how that can always strengthen a team. But I think that's another, yet another um, data point as to why that is. Um, So particularly as we talked about when we first started talking, you know, working in this career in the Bay Area that is so infatuated with youth. You know, I think if you and I were having this conversation in Michigan or New Jersey, it might be a different conversation. But I, I think that the Bay Area in particular, it just is, it has this kind of, you know, infatuation, right? Um, what meaningful ways have you discovered for how you can stay relevant and also how you can continue to compete amidst a younger peer group. And, and it could be, you know, things like even just learning you know, new technologies or trends or being relatable in terms of your interests and, and you know, conversational stuff, things like that. Um, so curious kind of how, you're, how, you've, how you stay relevant and what strategies you've, you've uncovered for that. Yes. I think I stay relevant by maintaining a stay scrappy mentality. I've said scrappy a few times during this conversation. I think it's important to just be willing to get in there with everyone and help out with anything you can. I think that kind of shows folks that we're on the same level. I view them as peers and we we have a mutual level of respect for one another. I also think at this point in my career, in terms of staying competitive, I'm not really worried about that so much. At this point in my career, I'm going to only apply for roles that I want to be at, and I'm only going to work places I want to work and work for missions that I'm passionate about. And I feel like if I am approaching situations where I'm really engaged and want to be there, that passion for that I have for the role is going to keep me motivated. It's going to keep me scrappy. It's going to keep me inspired. 
I don't really worry too much about competing with youth. I feel like once I start talking, once I get in front of someone, they understand, okay, this person's here to do good things and they're mm-hmm. going to they're going to level me up. Right. And well maybe that's part of the value as well of seniority is becoming more comfortable with who you are and recognizing that you're not on a quest to make everyone like you, <laughs> which I think is often the folly of youth is like Everybody needs to like me. Everybody needs to accept me. I need to be well-received versus "Mm, this is who I am. This is what I can offer. You know, I'm going to appeal to some. I'm not going to appeal to others. But the ones I appeal to will will really embrace me kind of a thing. Um, I think that's a that's a really important point. Um, I will say, you know, that I. I think that the technology thing, you know, there is something to that as far as just um, it's one thing, I think, for your experience to be a guide and and to help you navigate in your role. But I do think that um, technology is a pretty dynamic um, thing and and it and it and it does change a lot and it continues to change and it, it continues to show up in our workforce in terms of new systems, new communication strategies, new things, that, you know, new apps, new whatever, new, uh, gosh, collaboration tools, project management tools. Like, do you feel a pressure there at all um, to stay in front of those things or do you feel pretty solid with, you know, what you know is, is, is solid and, and, good enough for what you need or do you continue to try to learn and keep up with the next greatest and best in terms of technology i feel pretty solid about where i'm at i also know i can google anything that i need to google when my boss was looking for a personal assistant for home one of the things he loves to see in someone is their willingness to google it just because it shows that they have a desire for knowledge and they're willing to try anything I think as long as I maintain that mindset, willing to learn anything, I'm going to be okay. I also used to be an AV dork back in the day, mm-hmm. and I am not afraid of technologies. I feel good about where I'm at in terms of my, my ability to approach technology and learn new things. Also, we work in the Bay Area. We work in one of the largest tech regions around. If you are in the Bay Area working in tech right now, chances are you have your fingers in the latest technology or just tidbits of the latest technology. Mm -hmm. So you can probably pick it up. Senior folks should be confident about what they know if they're already in a tech job in the Bay Area. Yeah. What about just um, being a fly on the wall, right? And kind of like water cooler conversation. Do you ever feel like there's a disconnect in terms of like the cultural stuff or do you ever feel as though the things that you do on the weekend are different than the things that your colleagues do on the weekend or your executives do on the weekend and it and it does it ever leave you feeling like we're not really on the same page at all or 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 do you just kind of look at it and shine it on and say oh that's great you do you I do me or you know or maybe who knows? Maybe you do the exact same things <laughs> that your 25-year-old colleagues do. I have no idea. But how does how does that show up, if at all? Interesting question. I do do a lot of the same things my 25-year-old <laughs> colleagues do. I love music. I go to a lot of concerts. I do a lot of hiking. I do a lot of traveling. So I'm on par with them there. 
What's interesting, water cooler conversation, I like that you brought that up. I'm at a position in my career where I'm not an executive, but I spend a lot of time with the execs. So I am privy to a lot of information that I can't really share with my friends at work. And so that's interesting. I find myself more taking a back seat, and then I become even more of a fly on the wall, Mm -hmm. which is actually great because then I get to have both perspectives. I get to see how what is happening at a senior level, how it's impacting the younger folks at work, and I get to maybe take some of that in and maybe pepper it into my conversations with execs just to give them a barometer reading on how the team is feeling without letting anyone know that I'm doing that, just to make sure that the information is known. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, definitely. I I think that's a huge value to a C-level EA is kind of being that register for information and, you know, sharing as, as is valuable. And I think because I have a youthful approach to life outside of work, I think that's why I'm also accepted more by my younger peers. Yeah, that's why you gain access to that information and insight. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, people are going to confide in those who they feel they can relate to, right? Totally. Yeah. So if someone is listening today who (laughs) self-identifies... as seasoned (laughs) or senior or whatever we're calling it. Um, And maybe they're out there interviewing right now. Um, What recommendations can you share for how they should package themselves, how they should present themselves or their experience um, to potentially, you know, signal that they are super relevant, super valuable, not necessarily to compete, because as you said, and I appreciate the clarification that you said, I mean, you said, no, I actually don't see myself as competing. I see myself as this is what I bring. And that's kind of a standalone category unto itself. So not so much to compete with others, but to best and most effectively represent themselves. Um, how do you recommend that, uh, that they handle that? Yes. I think senior seasoned folks that are currently looking for roles or thinking about their next thing, I think that they should, I'll say this again, they should have a scrappy mindset, not be afraid to jump in there and tackle anything that's requested of them, not be, not be, not be too senior and have things that are below their pay grade. Of course, you have to have boundaries, but have an open mind. I also think folks who are senior should be proud of their experience and be proud when they are talking about what they bring to the table in terms of tenure with executives they've supported. The typical Bay Area tenure for employees is two to three years. Mm -hmm. Two to three years, folks work somewhere, and then they're out. I find for executive assistants, and also when I was coming up as an EEA, that's not what we did. It was better for us to stick around where we were at for longer periods of time so we could get to know the company a lot better and get to know the execs a lot better. And I think that that, that, still, that still holds true for EAs today. I don't think it's, it should be seen as stagnant that EAs have been with an executive for five years. There's nothing wrong with that, I think. And I think when EAs are looking for their next thing and they are talking about their experiences, they should be proud to be like, hey, I was with this company or this exec for five years. We had a really great relationship. I knew him inside and out, and I knew what he wanted two days before he did. They should be proud of that and tout that. I agree. I think that um, there's some perception changing that needs to happen around tenure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's really a disservice when we perpetuate this idea that you have to move on every two to three years and get more logos and, 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 you know, show that you're versatile and all this kind of stuff. Because 
at the end of the day, what's more beautiful than demonstrating your staying power and your longevity and your ability to make a meaningful and lasting and important contribution? Like, I think that's way more important um, than demonstrating that you can you know, learn the names of a bunch of new people and learn how to navigate a new organization and get up to speed on their systems and processes. Like, okay. But I, I think that it's about the legacy that you create and and also like the the quality that you bring to that executive and their life and their and their business. Like I, I don't know. That that just to me seems so much more fruitful, you know? Fruitful and more rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. My the role that I was at before, my current role, I was there for three years, and just circumstances ended up that I ended up leaving. I ended up needing to leave. It just things yeah. kind of fell apart there. Yeah, and I wasn't ready to go. I was like, "Hey, I'm just really getting my groove here." Yeah, I really much prefer to stay places for a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We sometimes meet candidates that will say things like, "Oh, you know, do you think anybody will still hire me?" You know, I'm I'm in my fifties. Do you think anybody will still hire me? You know, what, what do you think? Are, what do you think of the odds that, you know, I'm going to be able to get a job or, you know, and, it, and it's, it's really it's really disheartening. It's like it, it, and it, it on the one hand, I get it. Right. Because this is an, a society and a culture that is that infantilizes youth. And it, all you have to do is open your eyes to see that, <clears throat> you know, that youth is and 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 kind of freshness is what we what we promote and what we tend to idolize um and on the other hand like you know it's 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 also such a disservice to us as a population because it's also the one common thing that we all have is that we will all age (laughs) we will all become senior and so why why do we create this tension when it's something that literally all of us, it is the one common thread to all of our lives is that we are all on this journey of becoming more experienced in life, you know? So I'm curious, like, what you would say to that to that candidate that's maybe in their, I don't know, let's just say mid-50s, and they're a senior executive assistant, and they're not looking to do anything else because, as you said, they like what they do. They enjoy it. They're good at it. They appreciate it. They don't want to change or be something other than, than who they are. What would you say to that person? I would say to that person, be confident in the package that you're presenting as you're looking. Don't worry about all the noise around you about looking for someone that's younger or looking for a fresher face. It doesn't matter. You know your value. You know how good you are at what you're doing. If the people that you're speaking with can see that and make that connection with you, that's where you're supposed to be. I feel like you have to, as you get older, as I've gotten older, I'm more confident. And if folks can't see what I can bring to the table, then I need to move on to my next thing. I have a final question for you, Nicole, which is, if you could support anyone throughout the course of history, who would you choose to support and why? I love this question, Jessica. (laughs) I am a big music fan. I was saying it earlier. I used to work in music. I'm super passionate about music. And I think the person that I would love to work for any any place in time is Tina Turner. Oh, I love Tina Turner. I mean, who doesn't, right? She's the best. She's amazing. (laughs) But it's very specific for me. I would want to take me now 
as tenured and seasoned as I am with my life experience. Yes. And I want to time warp myself back to the late 70s. When, when she was with Ike? When, right when she left Ike. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because I don't think I could have handled her being with yeah, Ike. Yeah, let's help I, her with the transition out of Ike. Exactly. Because I don't think she would have listened to me and that would have been really hard to handle. <laughs> so I want to see her. I want to. I would have loved to have been with her right when she had left Ike and she was, you know, in the lab figuring out how she was going to reinvent herself. Yes. It would have been so amazing to have been her support system, to have been her eyes and ears yeah. and to help just help her get to that next phase of her career yes. or to even be in the studio with her as she's crafting these amazing hits that ended up help helping her rebirth herself. Yes. That would have been fantastic. And I love your choice of word there about reinventing because I think that's really what this all comes down to is is reinventing. You know, when you're in the first phase of your life, you're not reinventing, you're just inventing, right? Yeah. And that's the beauty of experience is that it gives you the opportunity and the possibility to reinvent and say, well, this worked really well. This didn't work as well. How am I going to move forward from this? Who am I going to be? How am I going to show up for this next phase of my career or my life? And what a perfect example. I mean, Tina Turner, is she's so timeless. I mean, have you heard her Buddhist chants that she does now? Nam-myoho-renge-kyo. Oh, oh my God. Like, they're hot, you know? Yeah. It's like, who would have thought, you know? She's, like, putting out these albums that are so different than, you know, Proud Mary, right? Like, it's just, and, and how cool is that? Like, she just continues to evolve and evolve and evolve and evolve. And that's that's her experience, that's that's all of it. That's Ike coming through. That's all, yeah. the 70s. That's her survival. That's her strength. That's all of it. How are you going to look at that or hear that and be like, eh, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I don't like, know. I don't know how you could. Right? Yeah. That's that's a lifetime. Um, her work today is informed by a lifetime of living. Absolutely. That That's powerful. Yeah. yeah. So EAs. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how you need to move forward, you know, that your work is informed by a lifetime of experience and be proud of it. I love that. It's absolutely correct. Reach is brought to you by Maven Recruiting Group, who specializes in placing executive assistants and support staff to the Bay Area's most prominent executives and companies. If you've enjoyed being part of our podcast community and are interested in becoming part of our candidate community, we're currently hiring for roles in San Francisco, Silicon Valley, and Los Angeles. You can visit us at www.mavenrec.com to see some of the roles we're currently working on and to submit your resume.